This episode of Inside Running is proudly sponsored by Sydney Marathon. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon major. Learn more at sydneymarathon.com. Welcome to episode number 279 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. We're coming to you a day late this week, Patreon supporters. You'll know that. I think the general public, it will still go out the same day. I think that's how things will operate uh, in the middle of the week. We are operating a day late because Julian Spence is in Japan, and I think when he travels Bradley, it's um, very difficult for him to get things sorted, get into routines, sort out his life, and um, we've moved nights, but he's still not here. Welcome to you. How are you? Thanks, Brady. Yeah, I'm a bit under the weather. Um, for those uh, listening, Moose was the one that yeah changed the recording time, and I was the one that was going to be a half hour late tonight, and uh, as it turns out, Julian's the one that's late, but... Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Julian's adjusted too well to dad life. He thinks that every holiday he goes on, it's going to be how he was when he was twenty-five and single. Um, so yeah, times have changed, Moose. There was some whinging coming up in the next five minutes when he five minutes when he joins us. I think for sure. Yeah, mind you, Brady, if the bloke had run two nineteen last week, he would have been here an hour early, ready to go. Yeah, up and about. Yeah, imagine that. He's gone into his first overseas holiday with a toddler and um, had a DNF. So. <laughs> Wouldn't have been going into that week travelling with a family, too positive at all. But we'll hear all about it when he joins us in about 10 minutes. Uh, the Road to London crew are actually also recording at the very same time as well. So Nick, Sinead and Ellie are also on air. So um, yeah, it's kind of weird that we're doing this while they're doing that, Croaks. Busy night for you, put, pulling it all together. Oh, yeah, busy night behind the keyboard. Yeah, bringing it all out. It's going to be a big, um, yeah, big evening tonight. But let's start with you. You did touch on the fact that you're a bit sick. What's going on? How did it, did it affect the running week last week? Yeah, I had a, actually a pretty good week last week. I'd say it was one of those weeks where it was really good until it wasn't. Um, yeah, started to feel a bit ordinary probably come Saturday afternoon, which... Yeah, you know, I think it's a combination of a few things. One, you know, picking up a bug, but also um, like I've got back into decent volume pretty quickly, and I think it was just a combination of, of um, yeah, just the last sort of month catching up with me. So I, like you know, I, I strung together I think five weeks without a day off. So uh, we're as I said recording Tuesday, so I actually took yesterday off. But for last week, um, Monday, just forty-five minutes at four twenty-twos. And then Tuesday afternoon, we're back out at the uh, the horse track 
for a session of three uh, three sets of three minute, two minute, one minute. So we had 60 seconds rest between the three and the two and the two and the one. Um, but then after the one minute, we had 90 seconds rest. Uh, this went pretty well. It was it was quite hot. Like it was it was high 20s and. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. It's first, certainly the first time I've ever experienced it. I felt like I was running smooth at the paces, but my breathing, like there was a couple of times where I was really struggling to get a breath in, like almost like hyperventilating. And I guess when you're running hard and you can't get the air in, you have a couple of these really short breaths. And then all of a sudden, like you, you know, your breathing's out of rhythm. You then start to get a little bit tingly because, you know, your body's not getting as much oxygen. Um, as it should so I was, I was a bit a little bit concerned i almost pulled the pin after two sets but the last set felt the best so i'm not sure what was going on there but uh it went pretty well considering the heat um i ran like 312 310 309 for the three minute reps 304 303 three minutes for the two minute reps and um yeah 254 252 244 for the one minute rep so when i do this session i normally look at sort of 30 minute race pace for the three minutes you know somewhere around 5k for the two and um 3k uh you know or a bit quicker for the ones and you can sort of get away with that when you're having the 90 second recovery after the one minute rep so i was happy with the happy with the session um felt i think the most encouraging thing was just how smooth i felt at those sort of quicker paces um yeah which is encouraging then wednesday i uh friday's session was an undulating tempo and I knew I couldn't do it out at Mulligan's because it's too far for people to travel uh, before work so I was looking for somewhere to do that and I remembered back when I used to do some long runs at Stromlo the back end of the the long run used to have some pretty like undulating uh, hills to it and it used to be the back end of Rob DeCostella's sort of famous long runs um, so but the problem is they've been doing a lot of construction out there now building a lot of houses um, where they used to run so I thought I'd go out there for my midweek long run just to check it out. And so they had actually fenced off a few of the uh, a few of the trails, but I was able to find like pretty much a 4K out, 4K back section, which um, yeah was pretty hilly. So I sort of did that a couple of times. Um, didn't realise I knew it was re- relatively hilly, but it wasn't until I finished the run. So I ended up doing 90 minutes at 4:15s, um, and it had 373 metres of climbing over that 21k, which is, um, like I was actually surprised how well I felt running 4.15s over that sort of terrain. So that was encouraging, and, yeah, I was happy with that um, place for the for the Friday session. Um, then, where are we? Thursday, uh, just got out for, where are we? Um, would have been just 45 minutes at 4.25s Thursday afternoon. And then Friday morning we uh, yeah met for this um, met for this session. And I so I didn't know what to expect because as I said I've I've run out there as part of a long run before and it was often the back end of the long run. So you're like oh yeah these hills are pretty tough, but then it was completely different when you're starting to do it at tempo pace. And I think a lot of yeah so a lot of us probably miscalculated the effort a little bit. Um, so we did 30 minutes. Uh, I averaged 337s for 8.3k. Um, yeah, ended up having about uh, some people got like 170 of elevation over like the 8k so you know pretty pretty hilly and for the first 15 minutes felt like amazing and then felt like the effort was quite right but the hills there they're not long but they're quite steep and I, I feel like those steep hills really like get the heart rate up 
um, deaden your legs a bit. So the back, I probably like 20 minutes was probably enough. Like the last 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm just hanging on here. So in hindsight, I think a broken tempo would have been better on this sort of terrain where you either do like six minute reps of like a two minute solid jog or you do um, like maybe a bit of a progression where you go like 10 minute, eight minute, six minute, four minute with two minute jog before. Cause I just think you'd, you just get a little bit more quality, um, you know, without sort of digging yourself into a bit of a hole over the last part. Um, but it was certainly like a tough, a tough session. And, and every time I do undulating tempos when I haven't done them for a while, you sort of, if you aim to do 30 minutes, you get to 20 and you're like, yeah, last 10 to grind. And then the next time you do it, you get to 25 minutes and the last five to grind. And then, you know, you're going well when you get towards the back end of it and you've actually still got some legs underneath you and you can sort of, you know, finish strong. Um, so yeah, it's one of those sessions doesn't look pretty on paper because it was like 337 average. Whereas the week before for 30 minutes on the flat, I averaged 326 and my heart rate was like seven beats lower running 326s for a, uh, like a tempo combined with a fartlek. So yeah. Not pretty, but makes you strong. But how about this, though? I've just compared it to the World Cross Country course, and this is hillier. Yeah. Like, yeah. hillier, but, than, when you put it in that context, you're like, this is this is difficult terrain to be running on. Yeah, it is. And you can see why, you know, I was saying, this was this was the back end of Deke's long run. And and where we turned around was the base. If They used to call it the 18-mile hill because it was the, you know, the 18-mile loop. And I reckon that was probably the last 5K of that sort of long run. So, you know, Deke's getting into like 22, 23K and then having to go through these undulations. And then where we turned around, you actually have like a two and a half K climb um, up. So it's it's tough running and you just don't realise how much those real short, sharp hills like take take out of you. And also they just spike the heart rate a lot more than the hills out at Mulligan. Like Mulligan's, they're a bit like they're more gentle. And so you still feel like you can run with pretty good form um could you but, could you float the downhills like do it that way as well like really smack the hills and just jog them downhills yeah you could you could but um yeah as i said i, I think i'm going to do it again in a couple of weeks but i think i'm going to try the broken tempo a little bit because i think there was a couple of times where if i had just had a, a two minute you know just just um, took my foot off the gas a little bit for a couple of minutes i would have been good to go and, and finish off the finish off pretty strong whereas yeah i think everyone sort of struggled over that last 10 minutes but uh yeah it'll um it'll sure make your training partners love you for adding this to the, um, <laughs> the training program yeah no a few of them a few of them enjoyed it a few of them trained a bit smarter than what i did when it's over um, uh yeah that afternoon got out for seven and a half k at 424s uh, Saturday morning, an hour out at Mulligan's, 4.23s, and then jumped on the treadmill, watched a bit of the NRL that afternoon. Uh, first time I've been on the treadmill since I got injured. So, what's that? Oh, yeah, November, the last time I ran on the treadmill. Um, Probably the heart injured rate. next week then. No, nah, it's nice and gentle. Wore the heart rate strap, kept it under one one thirty, And then, yeah, after that run, I just felt real just zapped. And I, I started to think, well, what is it? Is it the fact that I've strung together you know, three or four pretty solid weeks. Um, a couple of the sessions during the week were probably a bit harder than what my sessions had been the previous weeks. Um, a bit more elevation, like as you know, Wednesday's run was 300 plus meters. Um, so just a combination of all that. And then Sunday, we had another group run, but we um, headed to the south of Canberra, somewhere that I've never run before, around Coolman Ridge. So uh, a good little group of us. I didn't feel amazing on this run. Knew I was sort of coming down with something. Got through two hours, 423s with um, 
yeah, once again, this had like 428 metres of, of elevation. Um, so my week was 131. Yeah, it would be about 131 with like 1,400 metres of climbing, which is, you know, pretty pretty solid when you consider um, one run was on a treadmill that had no elevation and the session at the horse track, even the warm-up and cool-downs all flat. So, yeah, took yesterday off, jogged today. Uh, I'm not feeling too bad. Like, I'm not, you know, bedridden, but just a bit flat. So just going to take it easy and hopefully be right for a session on Friday. You make a good point about, like, you're about the seventh weekend of decent training, I think I just counted. And yes, mm-hmm. you get fitter, but you get more tired as well. Yeah. So like sometimes yeah. we want to go, oh, but look what I did four weeks ago when I wasn't as fit. I smashed this session. I should be doing it, you know, this time even quicker. But you don't. Yeah. Some people sometimes forget the fatigue that's in their body that they're now carrying. Yeah. And just another reminder as well, how easy it is to to just tip yourself over the edge by just pushing a session a little bit too hard. Because I think the one thing I did really well last year from now through till July was my like my sessions were relatively long. You know, I was doing like six by six minutes and I was doing 10 by a K on the track, but the effort was really, really controlled. And I think like personally, given my age and where I'm at, I would be, I benefit by keeping sessions in that comfortably hard zone, but maybe making them a little bit longer than doing some of the really shorter intense sessions. So I'm going to try and incorporate a little bit of that and just, just keep reminding myself that, you know, seven, seven or eight out of 10 uh, effort on a session is, is all that's really needed. Because I did think that when you were talking about the three, two, one workout, like, is there any need for you to be smacking one minute reps at 244 pace? It's mm. good you can do it, but you're like, yeah. you risk versus reward, like add another set and go for slower paces. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that fr- that Friday session was definitely uh yeah, definitely hard in terms of just yeah, legs were banged up and th- the elevation and the heart rate. So uh yeah, this this week will be a bit lighter. Okay. I think the 214 man has joined us, Julian Spence. Welcome from somewhere in Japan. I think you've got a 1-year-old in your hotel room enjoying <laughs> the uh traveling from all accounts. Yeah. I just tuned in and heard 245 pace. And thought, who have we got on? Two forty-four. Who's the uh, who's the guest this week? <laughs> <laughs> I, a bit of a uh, bit of GPS mayo though on one minute reps, I reckon. Well, you going in a straight line, weren't you? Oh, uh, a tailwind too, probably. Yeah, as long as it's a straight line, I'll pay it. I like <laughs> it. I was impressed. Yeah. How are you, yeah. Moose? I'm, I'm, um, I'm surviving. <laughs> We're uh, <laughs> another good learning experience this week. Yeah, not, not, not a running learning. It's a learning about what, how to be a, or how to live with a youngster, basically. Mm. Where about are you? Brady and I had this same conversation after Gold Coast last year. We both stayed on for a few extra days afterwards with our families, and I know I got home and was like, you know what, we should have just come home straight after the race because. We didn't do anything up there that we couldn't have done at home. Like, you know, the kids yeah. are too young. The kids are too young still to go to like the theme parks and do all that fun stuff. So it's like it's just costing us extra money and it's not really a holiday. <laughs> didn't help but, it rained every day as well, Croaks, did it? Like he couldn't even true. get out of your hotel room. Oh, that yeah. that would be extra rough. Mm. But yeah, it's 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 been hard and I Pia's been sick, which doesn't help at all. And she's just getting real fussy with her eating. So we basically like can't really go out for dinners and stuff it's 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 been hard work uh but 
it, and it just feels like a real waste. Like you're in a Japan, like best food ever, really cool places to visit, yet we spend most of the time in the hotel room where peers are happiest. <laughs> but no, no more holidays for another 10 years, Moose. Yeah, I was thinking about four years, it'd be right. Four yeah. years. Today we went to the zoo, and the best thing that she found in the zoo was like playing with pebbles at the entrance. Yeah. <laughs> then we see these rad animals and she's seen them all before and she's like she just looks around sees a cartoon version of it on the sign and just walks over and starts like pointing at it <laughs> like yeah why do we we're treating her like she's 12 years old yeah. <laughs> it's it, yeah. it good it's just a waste uh, how's the but, body whereabouts are you now oh, you're so home friday aren't you yeah yeah so we went out so um I go through my week. It's probably easier to okay, do. Okay, yeah. Yep. But so Monday, Tuesday, I didn't run. That was in Osaka. We just went to a different hotel. And uh, my legs were just beat from run, from the, the race still. So I um, my quads were smashed up and my calves were super tight. So I woke up with every intention of going for a jog those days but didn't because I was too sore. Uh, on Tuesday, Arvo eventually got out. That was... Oh, no, Wednesday, Arvo, sorry. That was um, when Bree got here, Bree and Pia. So I got out in the Arvo and ran around the Osaka Castle, which is quite a like a popular place to run. It's, it's all concrete, stones, maybe some asphalt, but it's at least it's not traffic because there is a lot of traffic and it's hard work running here, um, especially when we are like pretty much in the city. Then we went out to... Uh, oh, I just ran the next day, same loop, basically. Then we went out to this place called Gero Onsen, which is like a spa town out in the mountains, just just below the real mountains, like in kind of a um, like a kind of like a Dalesford type setup, where there's heaps of natural springs around, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a B and B type joint. Um, so Bree had booked five nights out there but when we got there we were staying in this thing called a fuck a rope roku roku something i don't know but it's like a family run little onsen thing and it's traditional rooms you got traditional japanese food which was like breakfast and um breakfast of fish and and soy sauce and <laughs> it was just after a couple of days uh we were like i was like can you just book something back in the city this is too hard here this is too, like there's no supermarkets or anything so you pretty much just resign to eating their food and um we just lived in the convenience store it's 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 a little embarrassing but we we weren't traveling real well here so yeah i got out i did a couple of runs they were one one six k then another 6K, and then I went for a bigger run on the Sunday. I ran for over an hour out along the road. I'm basically just running on the highway here because there are no spots to run. And it, concrete. By this stage, I'd run probably five or six runs on concrete, and I was just hating every step. I don't know how people do it, survive running on concrete their, their whole life. It's it just so uninspiring. And everything just feels harsh underfoot, and you don't get that um, that cr- that meditative type crunching under your feet. 
you know when you're running along and all you just hear is crunch, 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 crunch. That's I love that sound. That's what that's how I get in my Zen state of running. But it, with the concrete, it's just like it's just a bit brutal. Um, so I, I came. We came back to Osaka that night, and we're staying um, near what we thought was a park, but it's really not. It's like concrete, just again more concrete. And uh, I just ran. I thought I was going south. Turns out I was going direct west. So when I got my phone out to check where I was, I was in a totally different part than where I thought. So I did like a little loop and came back. What was that? That was Monday. Oh, so I've already gone too far. Sorry. So, yeah, that's my week. And now we're just counting down the days till we get home. <laughs> Pretty much like get me the fuck out of here. That's Friday, isn't it? Friday? No, nah, that's it. Oh, when are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah Friday night. So home. overnight flight. Um, be interesting because Mizuno... The uh, the generous fellas, they booked me a business class trip and uh, Bree's got peer and economy. So how could we, we work... Could, be, could be divorced by the time you get home. <laughs> yeah, just trying to figure out how to do how to break that to her. Give her the business um, one, Moose, I reckon. Oh, I don't think Take, airlines... It changed like that, mate. I think they would, wouldn't they, if you told them at the just gate? If you're married, yeah. Oh, Same last I... name. Uh-huh. Some great brownie points for the next years to come, surely. Bree's so much better with Pia, though. Like, she's so tolerable. Pia like, would have sleep the whole time, wouldn't she, throughout the night? Oh, yeah, right. You're fucking dreaming. <laughs> fair, to, fair to say um, Japan tourism won't be hitting you up for a, a review of your trip, Moose. <laughs> not not with an 18-month-old, that's for sure. You've got, too much, you've got too much concrete. You're... Your breakfast suck. <laughs> yeah. I got some yeah. cornflakes the other day and I was in heaven. Um, and this, like, I, I just can't, I'm not a great traveler. I'm working this out now. Yeah. I'm actually like, I love routine. And Creature I really, of habit. Creature of habit. Yeah, Ho- homebody. Homebody, yeah. <laughs> huge homebody. Like, I really am. And I think my daughter is too. She's, she's, she just started to come out of her shell. But that first night she got here, well, uh, second night maybe, we were at this sushi joint and she wasn't eating anything and I'm thinking, oh, what's going on? She's real gr- grisly and there's such a polite people here that they don't, like, all of a sudden you've got a whiny child and you feel like you're making a nuisance. And then she just looks up across the table and just projectile vomits all <laughs> over the table and just full-on pool of vomit on the table and then just continued to vomit for the next probably five to ten minutes, and then would alt- like alternate kind of being half asleep, half vomiting for the rest of the evening. Then hasn't eaten anything except yogurt and fruit ever since, and that's been a w- like five or six days now. So it's it, she, she's obviously pretty sick. Uh, she's getting better now. Today we got out and about, and anyway. Let's move on. How good's Mizuno business class for a guy who didn't finish croaks? Well, it's Jetstar business, but it's still business. It's We still get a little menu. Not that you can really choose much from it, but you get a menu. You get like a, li- like a little bit better uh, hostess experience, host slash hostess. Bit bigger seat, like much more leg room. Fold out bed and stuff or not for Jetstar? Oh, you're kidding. Okay. No, it's like a, it's like a premium economy for a normal 
normal airline. Okay. And it's probably what airlines were 20 years ago yeah. for everybody. Okay. Okay. So it's not as good as I was thinking it was. No, no, no. I know what you're picturing, yeah. like your own private shower yeah. and someone cooking yeah. steaks for you. Qatar or but, Emirates Air. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. It, it ain't that, but it's the best that you can get for this flight. Do you come back so, by Cairns as well, straight home? Yeah, still Cairns. Yeah. Did you end up buying a pram? No, nah, the luggage showed up the following, not the next night, the one after, I think. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, it's all there. Um, funny that, like, over here, the, like, I went out for a run and that's why I'm late. Late to, because I looked at the uh, the map and I'm like, okay, it's 4K to this park. So I'm thinking, yep, I won't be any longer than 20 minutes. But the, like you get down out of the elevator and that's three or four minutes getting through the hotel. And then you jog and then the first set of lights, you're waiting at least a minute at them. And then there's a set of lights every one to two minutes until you get out of the little CBD area. So there's an extra at least 15 minutes on top of that 20 to just to get to the place you want to get to. And there's, so, there's no jaywalking at all. So you could be at this tiny little alleyway and it's probably about four metres across the street and everyone's just waiting there for the, the green man to come on. Even though there's no traffic anywhere, it's like 6.30 in the morning. It's, it's amazing how uh, compliant they are. I would like I would just be running in the middle straight through all this, but you feel like you're breaking the law if you, yeah. All right, all the best for the travel home. I'll whistle through my week. I did a workout Monday morning because I come off a Saturday long run, and I knew this week was going to be uh, messy because a few different things were happening. So my workout was one k under threshold, hit about three o nine. One k over threshold, three twenty nine times five. So 10K in total, um, ended up averaging 3.19. Probably not the easiest way to run 10K because I think like you spike that, that, that 1K a bit quicker, the heart rate there. And um, it probably gave me a pretty good indication that my fitness isn't quite there yet because the float still felt pretty honest. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like when you do a workout like this in marathon block and you're pretty fit and you just feel like a minute in, you're just like, almost jogging steady i still had to kind of work um i did chuck the heart rate monitor on for the first time in ages and averaged 163 so that was kind of i think around about the right mark and pretty accurate but just the feel of working um was just there in the afternoon i did 30 minutes at 436s then that evening i had that like sports star dinner so i was up pretty late so the next morning i tried to sleep in a bit and then took the kids to daycare and then ran after that. So at about 8.15, I did two hours. Uh, got out on the roads where they're like, I was talking about it last week, they fixed them after the floods. Got all the machinery out there, just like grading them, fresh dirt. It's beautiful. Just pretty much went like an hour out, an hour back, average 4.23s. And then I got back just in time to record last week's episode. On the Wednesday, I did 70 minutes, listened to Road to London. Did you boys listen to that last week? Yeah, during my midweek run. Yeah. How about Sinead's week? Yeah. Like, you just, you get a real good, um, I guess, view. Like, everyone obviously knows she's the real deal. She sets the Australian record. But, like, the determination and, like, the mindset, I guess, of, like, mm. work ethic. Would that be the right word? 
I was just yeah. like, when she figured out that she could do um, like two workouts a day, and she just pretty much just smacked the whole back end of the week just doing double workout days. Yeah, you just got a really insight into the work ethic of someone at the very, very top there. Double double water running days. Mm. Double water running, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, not not double workout on the road every single day running, but, but even that takes some kind of next-level motivation. Um, so I enjoy, enjoyed that Wednesday morning, got out for 30 minutes in the afternoon, Wednesday, Thursday, did the same workout as you, Croaks, 3, 2, 1. What day of the week did you do it? Friday? Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. I was going to say you copied my Strava, but I've copied yours. I had a minute, though, after everything. Same thing, I was working on like 10K, 5K, 3K. So I was kind of trying to hit like 305s, 3 flat, 255 pace for the um, for the efforts. Felt like junk early, but then come good in the second set and the third set. Felt pretty good. Um, yeah, to kind of tick that off. I like it because you just get to work at different paces. I like the feeling when you've come off the one minute into the three minute again. I think that's a really good indication if you're doing the session properly that you almost have to put the brakes on in that three minute to kind of slow the pace back down. Um, it's good bang for your buck as well, like 20 to 28 minutes, 26 minutes, something like that. Um, got out for 7K in the afternoon Thursday and then Friday, actually Thursday night, Carly went to Ed Sheeran in, um, in Melbourne, MCG, pretty much with everyone else in Victoria. I think the amount of pictures I saw on social media of people at that concert, well, it was 108,000 people both nights. Incredible. About 110 on the second one. 110, yeah. Did you see some of the footage when he got everyone to like put the torch on their phone? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable scenes. So she was there. So I had the um, the kids Thursday night, which meant I couldn't run Friday morning. Um, so yeah, chucked them at daycare and then went to work for the day. And then just after work, I got out for 30 minutes, 4.35s. And this was the weekend away in Echuca. So yeah, about 10 mates. Um, yeah, met us in Echuca, hired a house. It was great fun. These are kind of some of the guys that I only get to see once a year. One of them gets on an airplane to get down there, and then they come from all different parts of the state. So I just didn't run at all Saturday, Sunday. We had like all these like, it was kind of like Bucks Party kind of theme. The guy organized and had like different activities to do over the weekend, and you got like different points for different activities, and then there was a person who won a trophy at the end of it. So um, it was good just to, I didn't really check my phone, checked it like, I think twice over the weekend, uh, just my run to PB, like coaching email, just to check that things were smooth there with my athletes. And yeah, it was just fun to drink beers, do activities, catch up, reminisce. How are you going to go on a boys' trip in your, in your hometown? Had to get, yeah, it wasn't great. That, when, is, that is just ridiculous. Walking back from breakfast one day and a kid yells out from the other side of the road, like, Mr. Trailfall, how are you going? And I'm like, oh, just got to keep my head down here. So you just got to be. Run your watch. You might run into your wife on one of the nights out. Oh, I that been, that, that I being said, Moose, based on your last half an hour, I reckon that's the type of holiday you'd want with the mates. Yeah. You don't have to leave home. Oh, yeah, actually. <laughs> I was at a couple of ones. Did you just Moose, stay at your house? No, no, I stayed at the house. Slept in like the dodgiest like. Because, you know, you got to share bedrooms and like I was just in this tiny single bed and um yeah i should have slept at my house i was thinking that but you really got to cut yourself you know off and just like this is what i'm doing for the weekend almost treat it like i'm in a different town um but yeah like i was at the pub at one stage on the saturday arvo and i just saw like my car drive past with carly and the two kids in the back seat and i'm like okay i'm like yeah okay from where i actually live but but it was fun it was good and i think like yeah as i said these guys see them once a year and i'm happy to kind of it's it's even the training week was a bit silly trying to fit because I fitted, you know, two workouts in a long run into 
four days pretty much. So um, I probably wouldn't recommend that to people, but I do recommend to people like at times you need to just not worry about trying to fit everything in and understand that you're going to drop a ball for the week and the ball I dropped was running over the weekend and I'm okay to do that because the other 50 weekends of the year I'm pretty dedicated in hitting long runs and and workouts and things like that so the week was only 106k but it was fun Um, I'm a bit tired now but we survived it and we uh we move on thanks and patreon supporters boys all right let's do it Norwegian theme for this week yeah all from Norway so I don't know if Christian's been drumming up all his mates to um, sign up. If you have, thanks, Christian. Um, I'm thanking Martin Brecky. Hopefully I've pronounced the surname right. Probably haven't. Uh, he follows Christian on Strava, so I hope it's the right guy. If so, he's run 15.46 for 5K, 32.58 for 10K, ran 74 minutes uh, at the 2022 Barcelona half and 3.33 uh, at last year's Berlin Marathon. According to Strava, he's running London this year. Um, and by some of the photos I saw, it looks like he's a pretty smooth mover. So all the best for your lead up to London, Martin, and thanks for your support. Do you know his job croaks? They're no, always smart. They're always smart, mm. the Norwegians. Yeah. Smart and rich. Remember like the yeah. annual annual um, income Christian was banging on about on Road to Valencia? They're definitely rich, but... We know Christian pretty well, and none of us are calling him smart. I'm catching up with Christian later in the week. We're doing an episode. Who are you thinking, Moose? I've got Stian Darrell from Stads by Good. Stad? That's pretty <laughs> good, this... actually. That's a good accent there at the end, Moose. There's got to be another vowel in there. <laughs> There's just like consonant. <laughs> There's just like five consonants in a row. Stads by Good. In Norway, he's run 16.35 for 5K, 34.46 for 10K, 88.47 at last year's Trondheim Half Marathon, and 2.52 at the 2022 Amsterdam Marathon. I'd say that 10K slash 5K is probably the best there. We think that he's the senior consultant at Jefferson Well, which is a risk which is in risk and compliance, finance and accounting. Wow, that's about as white collar as you could get, isn't it? Mm. Very white collar. Knows his risk. numbers. Yeah, real good on a spreadsheet, I reckon. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Stian. I'm going to thank Magnus Erstad. This is the Magnus, boys, the famous mm. Magnus from... Uh, the Magnus? Yeah, this is Magnus. the one that Christian talks about a lot. Croaks has got oh, here yeah. from Norway. Nas- national record holder, wasn't he? He was, but 50K? he lost it, yeah, in the 50K. Mm. He's ran 255 for the 50K, but someone did did get it off him. I reckon maybe last year. Um, 15.54 for 5K, 30.53 for the 10K, 68.22 for the half, 2.21 for the marathon that was at Rotterdam not sure exactly the year but I know he's going back he's training for it at the moment coming up in April Um, he has a master's of science in energy and process engineering specialization in thermal energy energy and indoor environment and I just had a quick chat to Christian before we got on air um, I did get to meet Magnus actually at um, at Valencia the day before. Really tall fella, covers the ground really well. And Christian's telling me he's throwing everything at Rotterdam coming up because he's got a newborn child at the moment and taking a bit of time off work and thinks this is his last chance to really put some, some big training in and nail the preparation whilst he doesn't have to juggle work 
I would suggest that having a newborn is not like a training camp, but uh, yeah, at least you don't have to go to work. And Christian told me that he has a very, very, very kind girlfriend, um, which, which is a good way to describe someone's girlfriend, I guess. Looking to move away from the city after summer this year for more family connection with the children's grandparents and loves a moderate four-minute uh, pace croaker jog. And similar to Moose, he's a super responder to the new shoes. According to Christian, he'd be lucky to break 2.30 without them. So, what were you, Moose? Saying, oh, so, shoes, so 2.24? You're saying you're garbage, you're yeah, garbage Moose without the super shoes. You and Magnus. That's what he said to me, yeah. He enjoys the banter, oh. so hopefully you got a bit of a laugh out of that. Magnus, thank you for your support on Patreon. Thank you to everyone. Just as I was reading that out, I got a um, I got an audio file sent to me from Nick Earl. So they've just finished recording the third episode of Road to London. All that stuff is available on Patreon. Uh, Extra Elite. We've over a hundred bonus episodes. Heaps of good training talk. Heaps of funny content. Um, listen to questions. Catching up with Toby and Christian on Friday to talk about what they've been doing in their running lives. So if you like the um, like the podcast, like supporting independent running media, that's a way you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash inside running podcast. If there is one marathon you do this year, really make it count. We're ecstatic to announce that the Sydney Marathon is a candidate race for the prestigious Abbott World Marathon Majors. To help us reach our goal of becoming one of the world's best, we need passionate runners like you to join us on this amazing journey. Incredibly, we're already on our way to our target of 15,000 marathon finishes, with almost 7,000 registered from all over the world. 2023 is set to be the biggest marathon Sydney has ever seen. By securing your spot in the Sydney Marathon, you'll be contributing to our success and helping us to join the ranks of world-renowned marathons such as New York City, London, Boston, Chicago, Berlin, and Tokyo. Run over the Sydney Harbour Bridge and pass some of Sydney's most beautiful icons before finishing at the world-famous Sydney Opera House. Grab your mates and register today so we can make history in the best way we know how, together. Running news, fellas. Big race of the weekend domestically was down in Tassie, run the bridge. The lineup didn't look amazing early on. I remember looking at the elite field and thinking it was a bit light on, but then they added some of the guys that are still here from the World Cross Country Championships and some of the athletes that ran at the Murray Plant Meet. I'm thinking maybe they might still be here for Sydney, not sure. But Kenneth um, Kenneth Karop, he was the winner of the men's race, but he was second across the line to Perska Chisang. Um, she's Ugandan, I think, off the top of my head. She ran 32-34. So because she was first across the line in the Battle of the Sexes, because the gap between the course records is the gap between um, when the men and women start. So she ran 32-34, and I think she won by maybe uh, four to six seconds. It was pretty close, but one of those ones that Kenneth was closing really hard and was probably never going to catch her because the gap was too big. Um, Kenneth ran 28.47 for the 10K course. Dan Cabet, he was second in 29 flat and third across the line. So he got, well, Kenneth got four grand. Dan got two. Um, Persky got eight. And then third across the line, no, fourth across the line was then Leanne Pompiani in 32.59. 
um, and she got a thousand dollars. Jane Gregson was then the third female across the line in 33-32, and James Hansen was the third male across the line in 29-53. You're telling me, Crooks, that they don't get prize money because it's just so being third man and third woman, you don't get prize money. No, so they just pay for positions uh-huh. across the line, but they do pay down to like tenth. Okay, so they would have still but, got some, but not as yeah. So like yeah, James and and Jen. So I think Jen might have been fifth across the line, so she might have got like eight hundred. Yeah, uh, and then it went down to like tenth place. Jimmy six hundred, yeah. But there was no like um you know Kenneth because he won the men's race. There was no like first place male prize money. Yeah, it was just wherever you come across the line, that's the money you get. I saw the times and the results, and like, was it windy? Like, the times generally look pretty slow. Yeah, so I think um, what Jack's course records like twenty eight twenty maybe. So, and then um, I don't think the women's record. I think Jen holds the women's one, um, maybe like thirty two twenty or something like that. So yeah, a little bit off course record pace, but yeah, I'm not sure. I, I didn't didn't see the race myself. Have you spoken to Tommy? Um, Moose, like it was more of those guys, like guys who can run twenty nine flight or running thirty flight. Yeah, I think I don't think the weather was great. It sounds like Tom said that the the roads were really wet. Okay, so it must have been raining. He said a lot of the, well, not a lot, but some of the super shoes were slipping around a lot underfoot. Okay. It's not because, flat either. It's not flat, no. Um, but yeah, twenty eight twenty is pretty pretty quick for a not not flat course yeah. i guess he's run 27 low they do still run um, quick down that hill like i know it's, i've done it before and you do lose a lot of time going over it but you can make it up going down it if yeah you're a downhill runner yeah yeah thoughts um, thoughts on like not having prize money for you know being the first male across the line well it just you just have to get the and you never will get it perfect but you have to get the um, start times right and you have to be pretty analytical in order to make it fair for men or women and that's probably where the fairness factor comes in yeah you, because, because you know all what the, I mean like, yeah, still but, got 4,000 bucks though yeah yeah but are but you saying that, what happened if there was four females and then a male or the other way around it's like someone's actually won their category yeah, and got actually right. 400 bucks mm. Because essentially, like the course, yeah. So I think the the gap is based on the difference in the course records. So like if you got if you got some superstar come out um, mm. and you know have one course record that's way better than another one, then one of those sexes is probably going to miss out on some prize money because yeah. of the, the gap is just too big. Yeah, good yeah. point. Mm. And you'd think that readjusted. I think at this stage it's been. Like, the history of the event, it's been very close. Like, remember last year when Brett got Rose, like, literally, yeah, it was yeah. like one step before the finish line? It was um, pretty much perfect last year. It was, yeah. And most years, they're, they're pretty close together. Um, but, yeah, you'd be right, Croaks. Like, imagine if Yak could like, come down. Yeah, like, that's it. Or say, yeah. say Kip, Kipchoge broke the men's record and ran, like, 20, 20, 26 minutes or whatever. Yeah. But then you've got, like, your... Domestic girls still holding the Aussie, or still holding the the women's course record. The you know the girls are going to get such a such a big gap that none of the none of the domestic guys, if it was if it was just domestic guys here racing, would stand a chance. I can it, it's we've got to be um, innovative in the sport as well and do things differently. And I assume that's why Walsh has put it on there. Like he's um I think it, it gets people talking about it, which is what we're doing now. 
So well, especially yeah. having eight well, eight thousand dollars know, to to win a race. Like that's pretty good prize money yeah. for, for running. Yep. Uh, Tokyo Marathon Moose, catch any of this on your travels? Uh, well, no, not really. I had the tracker going for Hachi, so I really wanted to see how Hachi went because he was running and I've coached him for a long time now. You've run, He's an ex-teammate of yours. Good fella, um, Hachi, too. Brady, yeah, yeah, good fella, and he's um, and he's he sort of toiled away for a long time. He just does a couple of marathons every year. So it was, I was following him, but I wasn't watching the race as such. So in the in the women's, um, Rosemary Wanjiru, she ran the sixth fastest female time of, well, sixth fastest. She became the sixth fastest female marathoner of all time. Um, so she ran 216.28. And Tessa Hay Gemetu ran 216.56. So she was... Um, She's now the eighth female to break 217. Third place was Ashete Bakiri, which in 219.11. And um, first Australian was Lisa Waitman in 231.42. She was 13th overall. So that's uh, that's not a repeat from last week. <laughs> Lisa did run Osaka and ran 223 and came fourth. Um and has backed up one week later and ran Tokyo in 2.31.42. And I think went through in about, I think actually Hachi, Hachi slash Hardy, he had a name change, but he said that Lisa was in front of him for the first 15K. And and Hachi's gone out, gone and run um, 2.22 in this race. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, she, de- she didn't go easy, that's for sure. Yeah, first 5K was very close, like 17 dead. Um, yeah, which is similar to what she was running, averaging um, with you last weekend. Yeah. So, um, question for either of you, like, why? I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about why. Do you think it's the world marathon major? Um, like, is there some kind of record with who can average the fastest time across all the world marathon majors? Oh, that could be. That yeah, was, maybe. That was the thing. And then I'm, I'm thinking like the ASICS connection. Obviously, she's sponsored by ASICS. Like, was there a significant financial um, incentive to have an ASICS athlete in the lead pack for a chunk of the race? That's or not in, a lead pack. Or in the top 15, top 20. Um, they're the only Would, thing. Because it's not the smartest thing in the world to do, run two quick marathons in the space of seven days. Well, did you see the day before it was something about um, how she wanted to run Tokyo because it was like one step closer to ticking off all of the world marathon majors? I think she's only got maybe Boston to go. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah. Which like when I saw that, I'm like, okay, like she's over there anyway. You know, maybe she'll just roll around and run three hours, you know, just, Mm. you know, jog around, which even then I'm like, well, Personally, I would struggle to do that the week after. Like, if I had to do that after Gold Coast last year, it would have been, like, a hell of a battle. And so I thought, oh, yeah, that's what she'll do. And then to see 231, I'm like, oh, like, that's completely different. Um, but, yeah, like, it's risky. Like, it's just, you know, like, you know, she's got, like, sort of one hand on an Olympic spot. And imagine if, like, something just went wrong, like, by doing this, and then she's just, you know, on the sidelines for six months. Like, it's, yeah. On but the flip side, she got, around, got, got away with it. It, it's a pretty remarkable physical achievement, isn't it, to go yeah. out? Because t- 10 years ago, 
we're looking at Lisa around 231.42. Gets her in pretty much any Olympic team she wants in Australia. That's it's probably an Olympic qualifier back then. And um, there wasn't that many girls that had broken 230. So it would have been one of the better times for the year. It probably would have ranked her in the top three for the year. And and to do that one week after Osaka, it physically it is quite incredible that she managed to do that, especially after going through half very quickly. Well, it's Yuki um, Yuki esque, isn't it? Because like Yuki does it, like you know yeah. Yuki was doing this stuff ten years ago, and you're like, wow. <laughs> well, I I mean I'm just like you related to Gold Coast. I got through halfway and I was cooked after a half. There's no way I'd be able to finish any of the marathons I've done in the past and even consider running a marathon one week later. Well, I remember I after think- Gold Coast, my first run back was the Saturday after, and I paced a guy down here in Canberra for a 20-minute park run. I'm like, yep, that's enough for me for the day. Yeah. One thing yeah. you boys need to learn, though, is don't compare yourself to any of our female marathoners. They just mm. do their own stuff. doesn't matter about their age, their recovery, their mental strength is just a whole different thing. They, they, yeah. just, they just do remarkable things, so it just does not surprise me. Yeah. So well, yeah. That's um, so that happened. Uh, she does have a, a lot of time until the Olympics. So I mean, you'd probably say, okay, two massive efforts. You'd have a big break now, recover properly from those. Uh, in the men's, Deso Galmissa ran two hundred five twenty two in a sprint finish with Mohammed Essa. 205.22 got given the same time so this is this was an interesting finish as they were sprinting one bloke was veering yeah, the guy Deso, the, the, the winner. winner Deso was was veering right kind of like cutting off the path of Muhammad Essa I'm not sure whether it was um enough to Im- impede him but it certainly looked pretty shit from the front on view because he wasn't holding a straight line and like there's only run reason to be cutting in front of the other person. Um, it's to block their path. It was unsportsmanship, wasn't it? Like looking at the video, you're like, he was doing that intentionally. And maybe it's just a tactic. I don't think you're going to disqualify That's right. a guy. It could be like, a tactic. And yeah. when you're in front, you choose your line. Um, it was probably all within fair fairness of the rules, but at the same time, I was like, oh, that was a bit sneaky. Oh, yeah. So. It- you just sit there and go, if they're in the same training group, probably be some uh, banter there over the next few months yeah. about how, how, how we dogged his mate. Um, anyway, uh, Seagay Getachew was third in 205.25. So in that pack, Cam Levens was notable for a new North American record. So he's Canadian. He was fifth. He ran 205.36. So that takes the North they have that, do they? A North American record. Yeah, yeah. Well, he took that and the Canon Canadian record because it's like area, area, it's like area it? records, yeah. you know, like Oceania records, oh. Oceania, and yeah, North America, the South America one, I guess, and Europe, European. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll pay it. So yeah, that's that. That was Tokyo. Yeah. All right. Good to see Cam Evans do that. It's been around for a long time. Remember his he old has. Driven series on Flow Track back in the day. Remember, he was the guy at college yes. that was just running like yeah. massive miles. Like, That's what the doco shows. What was it? What was he running? Was it close to two hundred miles a week or something? Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's triples. He was running yeah. three a day. He still is, I think. There's that good podcast with um, Jesus, the Swedish bloke. 
We'll try and put it in the show notes. I remember talking about it in my weekly recap like six months ago, listening to it. Yeah, and Christian still, loved it. Yeah, Christian and he does, a, he does a lot at like 4.20, 4.30 pace too. Like it's a lot of time on your feet, but triples. Mm, gee, so, here we go. Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll put that in the show <laughs> Everyone notes. Everyone will be out there. <laughs> um, Krog, sound running? Yeah, so there was a meet over in the US, uh, over in California, I believe, where uh, this was set up, I think, to target fast 10k uh, to try and get people under that sort of world championship qualifying time which is super quick now uh we had an aussie girl running in the i guess b 10k lauren ryan she ran 32.09 won the race by about a minute um which 32.09 would have beaten some people in the a race so i think you know that's a pretty solid run given that she was on her own for, for a long way uh in the men's open race uh woody kincaid got the win in 27.06 from Joe Klecker, 2707. So uh, 2710, I believe, was the World Championships qualifier. So both those guys got that. Uh, in the women's race, Ailish McCoglin, she ran 30 flat, uh, point, I don't know, eight maybe. Um, so that was a new British record, which was previously held by Paula Radcliffe. Paula had run 30.01. Alicia Monson, she ran 30.03 which was also a new American record. So some pretty fast times there. Uh, Ollie Hall paced the men's race for maybe 6K. Um, do you guys see any of that? Any thoughts on that? I saw the chat about the um, – wasn't Klecker a bit mad at the end? He kept getting click. Uh, cl- sorry, kept getting clipped by Kincaid. Yeah. 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 Kept getting clicked. Um, and then he took off the singlet and said some stuff, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he put a tweet out because he, you know, obviously people could see that he was angry. And I guess when you first look at it, you go, "Oh, he's angry because Woody basically didn't do much work yeah, until like Ollie the last out seventeen minutes." Yeah. I think he took it the whole way through. Yeah, and so Joe was basically saying that no, I wasn't pissed off about that. It was more the fact that nine hundred meters to go, I was getting clipped, and um, as a result, like his calf started to like sort of cramp up or whatever and so he was worried that he wasn't you know he's on track to get the world championships qualifying time and something like that could sort of derail the race so i think that's why he was pissed off yeah um but me mccoglin uh mccoglin yeah she makes her marathon debut in london so uh it'll be interesting to see how she she goes off the back of that 10k sort of shape no i think she's out isn't she oh she's out now i thought she was making her debut in london yeah i think it was announced and then she may have had some training issue okay um oh actually i could I, be wrong did she i thought no, oh, no I thought she, she pulled out pull, of the october like, one yep yeah sorry. yep i've just googled it yep she was set to debut in um october yep and she pulled out of that one 22 and now it's moved back to april mm. i did read that she's like finding the marathon training tough in terms of just more niggles as a result of like the extra volume longer sessions that sort of thing and uh even the photos i saw from this race she had like strapping on a knee hmm. did you also see that she had her bib no printed one but just handwritten yeah last minute yeah last minute entry <laughs> she's like broken the british record in a handwritten bib hmm. that's real blue bloody color. good isn't she yeah, she's, she's so good, good. Yeah. and like i remember watching her like years ago thinking yeah, she's not going to get much better than this. At the, at the time, I'm like, you, it just doesn't look right. <laughs> and, I, I, and it's the same with Charlotte Perdue when she runs. I'm like, yeah, she ain't going to run that fast, but because it, 
because in my mind something's telling me that doesn't look like you should run fast but both of them just totally destroy that and make me look stupid mm-hmm. uh, and and they're like the almost the opposite type of runner yet both are very good at what they do uh, yeah uh, yeah, and they yeah. get better both of those ladies yeah they do all right croaks you've got about or oh, did every state pretty much have their championships on the weekend? Well, pretty much, Jesus. other than I think Tassie and maybe Queensland. And like I was, I'm not knowing whether to put this stuff in, but I think we should celebrate oh, yeah. like some some state championships. But I'm not going to go through first, second, and third of every event. What I've done is just pretty much picked out, you know, first first male, first um, first male and first female for the 800, 1500. If somebody's run particularly fast in a steeple, I've, I've added that as well. But um, New South go Wales. Uh, New South Wales, the women's 800 was won by Georgia Wassell, 208. Uh, Luke Boys won the men's in 149. 1500, Jayla Hancock got the win there in 417. Connor Whiteley got the uh, men's victory in 346. So he's now the 1500 metre N5K New South Wales state champion. And Georgia Wincup ran a 946 to win the women's steeple there. Uh, Vic Champs, 800 metres. Emma Philippe won the women's in 206. Uh, Joshua Pedrasat won the men's in 151. Madeline Murray won the women's 1500 in 421. And Lachlan Hurd won the men's 1500 in 345. South Australian state champs. Annabelle Keto won the women's uh, 800 in 215. Jack Atherton won the men's in 150. Zoe Toland won the women's 15 in 431. And Isaac Hain won the men's in 3.44, and the WA state champs. The women's 800 was won by Rebecca Newton, 2.07. Luke Burrows won the men's in 1.50. In the 1,500 metres, uh, Nina Yates won the women's in 4.29. Luke Burrows uh, doubled up and won the men's in 3.52. Luke Graves ran 8.43 for a, for a steeple victory. And they had the 3K as well. Um, Cian Monks won in 10 minutes, and Matt Smith won the men's in 8.25. And then Queensland, they just had their 3,000-metre state championships. Uh, Olga Fasova won the women's in 9.20, and Harvey Crum won the men's in 8.19. So um, question for you on state championships. Now, those a lot of those names that we read out, um, there's a handful that we know. Like... Are state championships not prestigious anymore? Mm, good question. Oh, because, I don't think. I mean, mm. compared to what though? Well, all right. Compared could, to what you, they used to be? Well, you could rattle off a handful of top runners from all of those states that aren't the state that aren't those state championships. Yeah, but you're are you suggesting that they these used to be a lot more prestigious than what they are now? May or maybe like I don't know like. Were there heats oh. at the Victorian one, Crokes? Uh, for, some, to, for some events. For the 1500, do you know? Because that used to be a big deal if you could make the Yeah, Vic. there were heats. Were yeah, there? Yes. Were for, I think they were for the men's. Yep. I'm not sure for the women's. Yeah, yeah. no, I think that would have been straight final. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, similar to the AV stuff in a way. Like it's that next level down, that development kind of. Mm. But you still have some superstars putting their heads in. Like there was some, you know, some Australian reps there. Jayla Hancock Cameron, she's running well. Lockie Hurd's running well in Victoria. Depends Isaac Hayne. Like he is some big names sprinkled yeah. throughout here. Mm. I think I think you're right about comparing it to like a cross country race. But if you look at the Bundura cross country, I'd say the depth is a lot deeper for um 
for for a bunder across than it is for the men's fifteen hundred. Mm. I, I I would I would think so. Maybe because it gets all, the runners from all distances, and we are so focused on. The, the, the longer distances that we probably just not that aware of a lot of the 800 guys and girls. I'll put it this so, way. There's also the Box Hill 3K this Thursday night, and I'd say that would be deeper than the Vic 1,500-meter um, race. Yeah, probably. So why, so why is that, though, Brady? Like, why Because people, people want times to... croaks, I think. I think times yeah. now are more important than um, state championships or a lot of people because the state championship may just be out of reach. So that's why you might see Lockie Hurd, and I know Jared Clifford was there as well. Um, whereas that next tier down, those next 8 to 15 guys, they probably like, we don't really care what position we come, but we want to try and break 8, 10 for 3K. So we'll mm. go, we'll hit target that instead. Yeah. And there is a lot more racing these days, it seems, which is a great thing. Like there's a lot more pop-up 5Ks on Tuesday and Thursdays and, and Friday nights. And um, yeah, I think there's some good stuff happening and and obviously sometimes the depth's going to be impacted so i used to like the i used to love the new south wales like 1500 meter state champs because yeah like you sort of said brady like making the final was like a bit of a, a big deal and i reckon a lot of people had sort of big breakthroughs in those races because the heats weren't so if you're a four minute runner for example over 1500 meters the heats were never super crazy so you're actually like competitive in those races to then you know run maybe mid to low 350s in in that heat and have like a bit of a breakthrough performance so um yeah i think they still still serve a purpose that's exactly my pb croaks that's how it happened heat of yep. vic vic 1500 meter champs back at olympic park didn't yeah. even make the final but this is the perfect event for someone who knows they aren't going to nationals to be training for and peaking for like this is their championship yeah so you 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 got 800 runners that run 150 152 they're the one they're they're the ones that are uh aiming for this type of event they're not trying to get qualifiers for nationals or they're not trying to win nationals or go up to europe so it's a lot of domestic club level runners that are aiming for this so that's the 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 purpose that it serves but does it cheapen does it cheapen the medals a little bit when you like you know that you know three or four maybe five runners that are significantly faster uh, turning up to these events? I, I don't think so because I've always considered it like this. Like I've always thought that this is the, the state championships and it's on one weekend, but I never really know it's on until it's run and done. Yeah. Just because, yeah. Um, All right. We've got to listen to question, Croaks. Want me to read this bit out? You've just had a bit of reading time. Yeah, you, you can, can go, go for to it. The question. This it. week's uh, listener question train talk is sponsored by the Sydney Marathon. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon Major. Learn more at sydneymarathon.com. It features an all-new marathon course. It's Australia's fastest marathon with a record of 2.07.03, which was set there last year. It's got new extended cutoff time of 7 hours, increased on-course entertainment, and opportunity for runners to go into the draw to win an Abbott World Marathon Major ticket. I think I'm going to do it, Craig, Sydney. It just is a long run. I think we owe it. Like, having a world marathon major in Australia would be a big deal. And I think we've got to get up there and just jog around for 42K to help them get the numbers. Well, what do they need? 15,000? 15,000, I think it is, yeah. I think we do what? something. Like, we just we just round up a massive posse of people. We go for a weekend away, like Bathurst. Mm. Might even drive up there. Because it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people to, you know, cross the line of a marathon. 
It is. Especially in this country. And, and especially when they've got all the other events on. Like, they've still got the 10K and the half. That's the only way they're going to do it, though. Having people that are like, we're not here to prioritise this as a marathon race. We need to get, like, the masses to yeah. somehow want to... And it's hard to actually jog a marathon. But guys like me and you, who can maybe... Yeah, we, could um, do it. we can jog 42 for a long run one day. It could be a bit of fun, couldn't it? It could be. the streets of Sydney. Good fun. Weekend we'll away. We'll yeah. see if we can break three hours. Maybe we could be the three-hour paces, me and you. Oh, you could wear one... You could wear those balloons. I'm not, I'm not wearing a balloon. I'm not wearing a backpack. No way am I doing that. But it could be a good way. We talk about, you know, how do we make the sport better in Australia. This could yeah. be a way to our little contribution to try and help get a um, world marathon major on Australian soil. Anyway, right, well, watch, I wasn't, watch this space. I wasn't meant to say the end of that bit there, but um, that was just my idea. This is now the actual segment from Sydney Marathon. What yeah, so, got, well, thanks to all those people that wrote in with questions, and we will actually use a fair few of them, like, you know, over the next few months because there's some really good questions in there. But I thought, given Sydney's 27 weeks away, there was a question that came in about what you do before your marathon block. So the question is, how would you structure a 10 to 12 week base period before a marathon block? So that question comes in from Ian Kehoe, who uh, I believe lives in Mexico City. So thanks for your support, Ian, and good question. Come out to Sydney, Ian, join us. Get on the pace and bus. That's a good question, isn't it? Because yeah. um, sometimes you see people go a bit early, sometimes you see people go a bit late, trying to figure out what to, I like working backwards as well. Like, What are you gonna see a lot of in that, marathon block and then you almost don't want too much of that beforehand in those 10 to 12 weeks beforehand because you've got to have the mental um stimulus the motivation you don't want to be stale of doing too much of that stuff before you actually get to that marathon specific block and also you want to be doing things in that 10 to 12 weeks which are going to prepare you for that marathon block so i like to still have a decent long run to then when I get to the, let's, let's just play with 12 weeks, 12 weeks. So if I've got the 12 weeks beforehand into the 12 weeks before the actual race, um, I'd want to be able to do two hours, no worries, before I get to that 12 weeks out. So that's something I'd be making sure that I'm building my long run to be able to run two hours, no issue at all, week in, week out, maybe the occasional down week. Um, and then Noah enter that 12 weeks of marathon-specific work where two hours already isn't an issue. Um, I'd then be concentrating on other training systems, like I'd be doing a bit of 5K, 10K half marathon work on the other um, on the, the weeks leading in and really just trying to work those systems. And I'd probably be still doing two workouts a week. I'd be on that Tuesday, Friday, Sunday long run cycle before potentially going to the Wednesday, Sunday higher stress cycle. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add there? I'm sure you guys have got plenty to add there. Oh, I think you covered a lot of it. Um, for me, it's almost covering just all bases in that period. So, you know, and also it comes down to, I think, looking at where an athlete's weaknesses are. So, you know, if this is a period where if somebody's, you know, maybe speed lacking a little bit, they maybe work on, on that. But essentially, as you said, you want to be strong enough to be able to handle the marathon specific training in that last sort of 12 weeks. Um, I like to add a lot more hill, hilly sort of stuff for strength where 
you're not really worried so much about marathon paced efforts during this period, but you just want to build strength. And that's a good way of doing that is through like hilly tempos or longer hill reps, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, as you said before, it's covering that sort of, you know, 10K type fitness as well. And, and just building your general volume up to the point where volume's not going to be an issue in that marathon block. Because hmm. that's, yeah. that's what you need, don't you? You need that volume. Yeah. Another thing as well, like, I've got, I need you guys to make me accountable to this because after Valencia, I said I was going to start doing gym work and I haven't actually started three months on. But that's also like if you think gym work's important for you in that 12 weeks leading into the marathon, you don't start it 12 weeks before. You need to start at the 24 weeks before. So when you get to the 12 weeks before, it's already embedded into your routine and you're not going to have those like early on, early on doms, which you get when you just start out. Yeah. What else you got, Moose? Super coach, Coach Daly Pashley, the oh. 19th at the World Cross Country Champs. Give us something. I think, no, it's pretty much it. You you guys did t- talk about preparing to prepare. So being in a position where you don't have to build through that last 12 weeks, you're already there and you can take advantage of the training rather than have to build into it. So you can start that first week of marathon training without having to get used to running two and a half hours because you've been doing it for the last 12 weeks or so. Uh, and and I also like to do some sort of prep work in terms of um, longer tempos. So getting maybe once every three weeks, you go out for depend well, from a time frame from 40 minutes to 60 minutes and doing a tempo run. So you don't just cop that kind of shock of having to do real long steady stuff when you hit that block. So we'll keep that in there. Uh, and, yeah, just basically an, becoming an overall better runner and then switching to specific stuff in the in that 12 weeks. So, yeah, nothing much to add. A bit of, like, low risk as well, isn't it? Like, it's what's, what's – nothing's going to look sexy, but the week together is going to look good. And then if you can do that for 10 or 12 weeks before you hit it, you should be in a good situation. It'll get you fitter for everything. Mm, that, yeah. So I, I normally like to schedule a race about 12 weeks out, and it will be probably a, a, anything from five to half marathon. And, and, and you can train for it using that type of Tuesday VO2 stuff, Friday threshold, longer tempo, Sunday harder long run. The way that we kind of train it can get you ready for the 5K stuff or it can get you ready for a half marathon. There, there isn't a ton of differences in in the in the workouts. Uh, maybe the 5K to half marathon, sure, you do a bit more threshold stuff for the half and a bit more faster work for the five. But not not people would be really shocked at, I think, at how little the training changes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you can race and then you can have a, a down week and then you hit the marathon stuff. Yeah, you're so versatile for your race options. And I know I love banging on about AV cross-country stuff, but this is what you kind of do in that winter block because you can drop down to a 3K lap of the 10 or run a half marathon. Like it's – and everything in between. Um, It's a good training block of base period, I think it was worded in the question, um, to get you fit over a a number of distances. And I think also don't be greedy during this period in terms of like – you don't go like I said, I'm going to pick on Christian here. Um, but I saw in Strava, like we ran two and a half hours, and then it's like 30 weeks till Berlin, and it's just like 
you know, if, if that's where your focus is now and you're starting your Berlin prep from here, like it's like it's a bit too soon. So you just, yeah, just cool your jets a little bit during this period. Get, you know, your volume up, but don't start thinking that you need to be doing like really fast finish long runs and, and sessions at the back end of your long run because by the time you get to 12 weeks out, you're going to be sick of that stuff and you've got nowhere to go. Yeah, that's that mental fatigue, isn't it? Like yeah. I think he's taking the piss with that. <laughs> I think he's I think he's joking. Him and Moose, he was joking with, I think. Anyway, that's a good question, Ian. Thanks to the Sydney Marathon for their uh, sponsorship of the show and the training talk segment this week. Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. Rules of Strava. Oh. Moose is confused. Um, Moose is training geez, tips. I've got a fair hatred for uh, concrete at the moment, so that's one. Um, but, no, I've been noticing these social media posts lately from athletes and they'll mention something but they'll be very quick to leave out like a detail so if you have a race and you do like a post afterwards what are the things that you think that you would include in the post so that all your all your followers know what you've done where you came your time time. i'd say those two yeah yeah like time and position would be uh be the two main ones you'd think (laughs) yet um you know that if someone has run like uh, has done pretty well, but like in terms of their placing, but they they haven't run fast, they they're leaving the time out. So I was like, I was second place at this race in this age category, and yeah, but they're not going to write the slow time, or if they've run a fast, most of the time, like you're going to run a fast time, you're going to finish pretty fast as well. Uh, like high up in the field um, it's just like this cultivation of social media like what do I want to tell the, my followers and what don't I want them to know and how can I cultivate this post so that they they think that I did really well without knowing that I was actually pretty slow in my race and it just I just noticed it a lot over the last couple of weeks it's um, well, it's just social media in general I guess isn't it what about Batuta Advocate? I've just got this open. Hospital bed selfie appears on social media with absolutely no context. <laughs> there's a there's a Family Guy there's a Family Guy as, uh, episode where uh, Peter Griffin does the same thing. Is there? Yeah. Uh, the like com- he takes the comments here are great as well. Like old PMU babe. Like you know how that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Here if you need me, honey. Don't really want to get into it. I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Oh no! Okay? Don't really want to get into it. Is exactly. Yeah. Is exactly the Peter Griffin one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's um. That's similar to what you're talking about. Oh, it's it's in the same ballpark for sure. Same ballpark for sure. That's good. All right. That was good. Um, what's coming up, fellas? We've got a Sydney Track Classic this week. I did see fields were announced for that. No, nothing longer than a fifteen hundred. And maybe just no, I think the national. Ends. I thought the national the national three K is on there as well. Okay, have they not released that field? I just saw like an Instagram photo the other day, and it had some of the fields, but I didn't see a three K. Yeah, because it's maybe that's nationals. Maybe that's um, uh, yeah, maybe it's on the Athletics Australia website. I don't know. I'll have a quick look yeah, now. But okay. I'm pretty sure there's a. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a three K, and it's the um the national champs. Um, something else to watch though, Nagoya Marathon, Izzy Bat Doyle's heading over there to race and Eloise Welling, she was on with the with uh, Croaks last week, 
She's run 2.25.10 there, Eloise, last year. Leanne and Ali both pacing, I hear, Moose. You'll know, maybe know more about that, what pacing pack. Maybe Ali talks about it in this um, episode of Road to London. Izzy ran 2.28.10 at Melbourne. She's going to go much quicker than that, isn't she? But how quick? She have to go for somewhere in the ballpark of Elisa? I'd say she'd go, be going for a qualifier. I'm not sure she'll aim for 2.23, but that's, I don't know. I know Ali's pacing 71.5 at this stage, so that's 2.23 pace, isn't it? So yeah. maybe she's on that pack, who knows? Yeah, any predictions, boys? What do you think they're going to run? Hard to know. Oh. I'm going to throw out Izzy's going to cut her PB down to 2.26 after going out a bit hard, and Eloise runs... Uh, 227 high. Just not sure she's in the shape she was when she ran 225. Yep. All right. Um, audio this week. Christian and Toby, Friday, road to London now after I've got off air. So heaps happening in the world of Inside Running Podcast. Croaks, what are you doing between now and next week? Uh, hopefully getting myself back to full fitness and health. Um, and then we've got a long weekend actually coming up. Canberra Day, long weekend. Oh, yeah. Victoria's yeah. got that as well. Monday off. Yeah. And uh, the men's 3K national final is on at 8.12 p.m. on Saturday, and the women's national 3K final is on at 7.16 p.m., but so, I can't find any fields. So what's Jess Hull doing? She must be the 3K. 3K, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Cam, uh, Cam Myers, I know, is doing the 3K as well. Ooh, oh, boy. Be interesting to see how he goes. Three. What is it? 355 mile into 3K. Could be quick. Another Could be. another national record. World record, I reckon. Um, all right, Moose, what are you doing? You're coming home. Safe travels back. Um, coming home, coming home. Yep, so surviving another few nights in a hotel room with a crying baby. <laughs> on cue. <laughs> on, on cue, yeah. Yep. You've so, done well uh, to be here for an hour without any blow-ups in the background. I know, I know. I mean, she'd been out of the room. She'd just come back lately. So, anyway, i got to go. Yep. All right. See you, boys. Talk to you See next you week. Gotcha. Bye. The all-new Sydney Marathon is Australia's marathon. So join us at the start line this year for an event you'll never forget. Register now at sydneymarathon.com.